Hello everyone, welcome. Today I'm going to be talking about why is it that relationships can sometimes go so sour after having kids. You're listening to The Parenting Junkie Show, the place to go to love parenting and to parent from love. I'm your host, Avital. So today I'm going to ask these difficult questions and aim to provide some answers to this. So first, I'd just love for you to take stock for yourself, asking yourself if you are in a relationship, how it changed when kids showed up. And there is some very, very classical, typical, repetitive, kind of the traditional themes that so many people experience once they have children, Uh, you know to their adult primary relationship, right? To a marriage or partnership, which I'll use interchangeably here. So first of all, let's just take stock, right? And you guys can help me brainstorm this out, but there are so many different things that literally throw our worlds upside down. I can see a lot of people here really have experienced this themselves, right? Throw our worlds upside down and transform the way that we experience our relationships. Um, There are things physically that have changed dramatically, right? If uh, one of the partners gave birth, then there's going to be hormonal changes and physical recovery and all sorts of uh, transitions that go along with giving birth, maybe with breastfeeding, with sleepless nights, right? Um, There's going to be financial changes as people change jobs, take maternity leaves, take paternity leaves, etc. And as the financial burden perhaps rises with with all of the needs that a new child brings with them, right? There's going to be a huge emotional shift as suddenly our primary, uh, you know, evolutionary and biological force of all of our attention and emotion gets driven towards this baby and all of our resources that were once maybe there to give attention to each other and to care about each other and to prioritize each other get swept to the side, right? And it's just a a really, really classical thing that couples go through. Now, often people say that when you have a child, whatever was there in your relationship gets accentuated, gets um, emphasized, right? Gets polarized in a sense. So if there was stress before, if there was you know, difficulty, conflict, um, a lack of alignment before, then often that's going to get exacerbated uh, once a child gets thrown in because simply the stress increases, right? Um, And sometimes great things happen in a relationship when a child comes along. Sometimes we really feel a sense of being bonded together. Sometimes we feel incredibly grateful or incredibly proud of how our partner is as a mother or father. Uh, Sometimes we feel very, very um, excited to be on this adventure and, you know, starting this project together, this project of our lives uh, together, etc. But, you know, sleepless nights and all of the other tolls that come along with this massive change can often really Really take a huge toll on the relationship itself. And many of us didn't have the most stable, the most resolved, the most mature relationships before we had a child, right? We hadn't really done all of that inner work that it takes to grow, to mature ourselves, to raise ourselves, to be able to be great communicators, uh, great conflict managers, 
you know, really uh, on top of each other uh, in terms of what each other needs and being able to uh, answer each other's needs in a deep and, and satisfying way. And then uh, because our needs get thrown for a loop and sometimes our personality changes. I mean, sometimes our actual whole existence changes. When I had my first child, I went from being someone who was always physically freezing. I was always cold. I was always wearing sweaters to someone who is usually hot and suffers more from the heat than from the cold. I mean, that was just such a drastic physical change, not to mention all of the personality change, our value system sometimes changes, etc. right? Okay, so that's just kind of the cold hard facts is that it throws our relationship for a loop. But to add insult to injury, what often, often happens is that because uh, we are so evolutionarily and biologically and socially directed at becoming great parents, right, at offering such great support to our children and being the best parents we can possibly be, we start to actually neglect our relationship as well. So part of it is simply that the circumstances don't allow for it, right? Suddenly we would need a babysitter or we would need to actually sleep at night or we are stressed for time or, or strapped for cash or whatever it is. But then also we ourselves tend, or at least I'll speak for myself, uh, I have tended in the past to neglect my relationship and not to put in the effort there because it becomes one more thing that demands your time and attention that you frankly don't have much left of uh, at that time, right? <laughs> when you're caring for young children, time and attention and energy are at an all-time low sometimes. And so it becomes very, very difficult to now decide, well, yeah, I should also invest in this. And it's not the only thing that falls by the wayside, right? We all know this. Our health often uh, falls by the wayside. Our friendships often suffer when we have uh, children come into the to the picture, right? A lot of our previous priorities simply just fall off and that makes a ton of sense and we can all forgive ourselves for that and give ourselves a lot of grace for that. However, it doesn't feel very good to us because those are things that are important to us ultimately, right? Our friendships, our relationships, uh, our health, our, uh, our wider community life, uh, our careers. These are all things that are also important for us. So... What I want to kind of really come come down on you like a ton of bricks today. <laughs> I'm bringing the tough love today, okay? I'm bringing the tough love today. And, and that's why I have to start with the forgiveness, right? We've all got to forgive ourselves for our shortcomings. We've all got to forgive ourselves for the neglect uh, that our partners experienced, that we ourselves neglected ourselves, right? Um, but, but... Um, uh, with all the forgiveness and all the grace and all the understanding and all of the fact that we are good enough and good enough is good enough, etc., um, we also need to call ourselves to action. Um, and I'm here to do that today. So if you don't want to get called to action, if you don't want to be, if you don't want a ton of bricks falling on your head in a moment, then you might want to stop listening now. But I would love if you gave this a chance and tried it on for size and see how it fits for you. I think many of us are aware somewhere in the back of our mind that our relationships are incredibly important. But I think that overall, if I had to make a gross generalization, I think overall we tend to underestimate just how important they are. We tend to underestimate just how meaningful and necessary and crucial our adult relationship is. 
We tend to think that it will just be there waiting for us when we're done raising kids. We tend to think that because we fell in love once and because we said I do once or we committed once or we had babies together once, that means we're set. And you know where you see this in the silliest little things? Like, uh, you know, the fact that when we were dating or when we were first together, we maybe made a bit of an effort with our appearance. And then suddenly when people get married, they often... Uh, just kind of resort to full-on sweatpants, you know, no makeup, blah, 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 which is beautiful because you're comfortable and you're intimate and that's a good thing overall. However, it sometimes goes so far into that direction that we're simply not making any effort to win our partners over, right? To be attractive for them, to be interested for them. And just FYI, this is a non-gendered comment that I'm making because I think it works for both, uh, for both genders, right? It matters for everyone, that their partner take care of themselves, look healthy, uh, you know, look put together sometimes, be attractive. Um, and alongside that intimate, relaxed, sweatpants situation, we also want to feel like we're with someone who cares enough to keep us around, right? Who cares enough to keep us interested. And that can easily die, right? That, that caring, that effort that we perhaps put in at the beginning of a relationship, yeah? And Unfortunately, a lot of other things can die as well. And I want to make the, the claim that we absolutely need, by matter of urgency, to prioritize our relationships. Uh, if you are in one, right? If you are in one, it is an absolute crucial need. Look, the statistics are not with us on this, right? The, uh, the overall cultural themes of very high rates of divorce, right? In the 50% sometimes, sometimes more, sometimes less, but around that mark, depending on where you live, show that, the, that at least half uh, of all couples, that's one in every two of us that are here on this call, um, is not going to succeed in maintaining a long-term, lifelong relationship. And sometimes that's necessary, right? I am not here to demonize divorce. On the contrary, I think sometimes it's absolutely the necessary thing to do. However, the vast majority of us uh, see that as a last resort and don't want to get there. And the fact is that if we do get to a state of divorce with someone who we've had children with, you never truly divorce that person, right? You may divorce, you may even get remarried or whatever, but you are always going to have to have a partnership with that person because you raise children together. And so you are connected in a lifelong way, whatever happens in terms of your marriage. And so in that sense, it's just so crucial that no matter the future of the romantic aspect of the relationship, that the relationship itself uh, heals and becomes strong and becomes good and becomes healthy. Now, I'm going to put to one side for a moment relationships that are really on the cusp of divorce or, or suffering some terrible, uh, you know, extreme situations such as abuse, because always, always, always those cases need to be treated uh, with local and professional uh, clinical help, right? But with this, with every other relationship that's basically healthy, basically between two people who are, you know, generally speaking, uh, mentally okay and, and available for each other and want to be in this relationship and want to try and make it work, right? A, a relationship that's basically okay, but suffering, but suffering because we feel isolated, because we feel lonely, because we feel uh, neglected, because we feel misunderstood, because we're not on the same page about finances or sex or money or, or, or parenting or where we want to live or our lifestyle or our values. 
All of that stuff has to be addressed by matter of urgency. And here's the thing, and I really want, you know, if you've, if you've got distracted, come back to me now, because this is the important thing I really want you to hear. This relationship is the most important relationship of your life. Of your life. It is the primary person who is supposed to be there for us, on the same team as us, our friend, our lover, our support person. And we're going to need to go through some really sucky times together because that's just the fate of human existence. We all go through sucky times, right? We're going to need to nurse our parents in their old age. We're going to need to go through financial crises and ups and downs. We're going to need to go through the diagnosis, the illness, the move, uh, the, the career change, um, the anxiety, the nightmares, the, the menopause, whatever different challenges that we're facing throughout the rest of our lives and into our old age. Age, it's with this person. It's this relationship. And that is not a, a trivial thing. And that is not something to be neglected. And that is not something to be snubbed or ignored by any stretch of any imagination because it is so critical to the rest of our lives and to every aspect of our lives. If our relationship is in suffering, is in tension, is in conflict, is in disconnect, is disimpassioned, it influences every other aspect of our life. Let me speak for myself on this. I know that if I'm in tensions with my husband, if I'm in a conflict with my husband, I'm a, I'm, I suck at my job. I'm a less good friend, wife, daughter, Sister, wife, obviously, sorry, but daughter, sister, etc., friend, right? Mother, my parenting suffers terribly. I'm less patient. I'm just a, an overall crappier version of myself. I eat more than I intend to. I spend more than I intend to. I feel sorry for myself. I'm in a pity party. I'm overall much more useless when I feel disconnected from that energy source of this primary relationship that I am in. When my primary relationship is in a healthy, strong, supportive place, when I feel like, wow, I have someone who's a good person, who's on my team, we're here together, they're a friend, they can listen, he can, I love him, he loves me, we care about each other, we choose each other, we create this unconditional vibe together, then I feel empowered in every other area of my life too, right? Then I go out and I'm better at my job, I'm more healthy, I'm more likely to make good food choices and good money choices and be a better patient and a more, more loving mother. This is a source of energy and it is a place where you can create heaven on earth, right? Without any sense of cliche, I really do mean that. I mean a deep sense of heaven on earth, right? A deep sense of, wow, can you imagine the magic of two people with entirely different worlds, entirely different genetics, entirely different biologies, entirely different mindsets, entirely different upbringing, you know, two separate individuals, two universes overlapping and somehow, somehow overcoming all of these crazy, almost, you know, un, 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 uh, indescribable differences that are inevitably existent between two people and somehow creating a sense of harmony and unison and, and, and uh, uh, some semblance of unconditionality. That's, that's the stuff miracles are made of. That is absolutely miraculous. That is absolutely an indication of heaven on earth. I mean, if you have a person like that, that you're with, that you can sense that at least some of the time, perhaps even most of the time, that is the closest we get to heaven on earth. And the opposite 
right? The opposite, the constant tensions, the naggings, the ultimatums, the recurring fights, the slam doors, the cold shoulders, the snarky text messages. That is hell on earth. And then when we need to go through actual hell on earth, because there's a war, because there's a drought, because there's a pandemic, because there's we get fired, because we get cancer, because all of the things that happen to human beings, all of the loss and suffering that I know that many of you are going through right now and if you're not going through it right now you went through it five years ago or you'll go through it in five years or someone who you love is going through it we all have that suffering that's innate and in embedded in the human experience and if we don't invest in this primary relationship that is supposed to be a pillar of support then it becomes hell on earth we don't stand a chance Right? We don't stand a chance of facing our fears, of being brave, of being courageous, of being supportive and helpful to other people, of being some version of ourselves that we can be proud of, of creating some level of meaning in our lives because we're crumbling at the very foundational element of our relationships with other people. The very foundational, the very first and foremost and most primary relationship that we've chosen, not that we were born into and not that was born to us, we chose it. It's like the worst kind of suffering because it's self-inflicted, right? It's like, no, I, I wasn't just born with these parents. I didn't just have these children. I chose this partner for life and I'm suffering regardless. So not only is it not only is it a bad experience, but I made the bad experience happen on my own, which just adds insult to injury, right? It just makes it that much worse to be suffering in that situation. And that's why it's so taboo. And that's why it's so painful and embarrassing and shameful to admit when we're suffering in our relationships and when we're doing it badly, right? It's like, oh, I'm doing it badly. I'm doing relationships badly. That's nothing that any of us want to admit to ourselves. But it's something we have to admit to ourselves. It's something we have to admit to ourselves because if you admit to yourself that you, may, you might not be doing it so well, you might be doing it even a little bit badly sometimes, then you can also begin to learn how to do it well. Yeah, that's something that nobody ever teaches us how to do it well. I mean, maybe, maybe you were one of those unicorn lucky people who got to witness a great relationship firsthand from your parents, right? Maybe, maybe you're in that 1% of relationships that got to see a fantastic relationship from your parents. And that's, wow, like, I'm so happy for you. If that's the case, that's just incredible and so rare, right? But for the vast majority of us, no, uh, you didn't get to see it. You, people don't show us the insides of their relationships. The inside, They don't show us what it takes to maintain kindness and passion and listening and get through fights without completely disintegrating and, and, and manage to continue to stay aligned. And here's the thing is that people change, people change and circumstances change. And we all have this stupid idea in our head that, well, I married you like this, so you should never change. Right. Just this week, one of my clients said to me, you know, I've become vegan and my partner doesn't want me to become vegan. And this is a massive crisis and that's a crisis they chose. But then there are all the crises that we don't choose, right? Where we change despite our best, you know, intentions to stay rigidly the same. No, people change, circumstances change, kids come into their, our lives, new temperaments, new challenges, new situations, we've got to adapt. And so our relationship has to grow. It has to grow. It has to grow. We have to grow. The relationship itself has to grow or it can't possibly have any chance of sustaining us through what it needs to sustain us through our life right? It needs to be strong enough, stretchy enough, right? Have enough capacity, have enough buffer room, have enough cushioning, 
to see us through. You know, see us through. See us through all the stuff. See us through the family crisis. The, you know, nursing old old parents, losing our parents, losing other people. It has to see us through loss. So it has to grow. It has to grow. It can't stay stagnant. We can't stay stuck in some weird, old, archaic, outdated, naive, an innocent dream of what the relationship was supposed to be when we first fell in love. Right? That was a naive dream. That was that was a uh, that was a childish dream. That was a dream of of a bride or a groom or someone who's just in the beginning of a relationship and who has all this hope and doesn't know anything about what's about to come their way. Right? Someone who just has no clue and it's beautiful and it's innocent and it's so sweet, but it does not last and it must be updated and upgraded if we want it to last. Now, there is a whole doctrine out there in the world of this ambivalence about relationships. In fact, in fact someone wrote to me this week saying that counselors are supposed to be completely ambivalent. Like if you want to separate or if you want to stay together, it doesn't matter either way. And let me say this, there is no shame in separation and there is no shame in divorce. And sometimes relationships can't work or shouldn't work or you don't want them to work. And that is absolutely a, an opportunity that we in this culture have. And that's a wonderful freedom that we must protect and preserve. But it's not what most of us want. It's not why most of us signed up and it's not what most of us are hoping to grow old with, right? And, and it does not solve most of the problems. When I speak to my divorced clients, they still are having to contend with their relationship. They still have to handle the co-parenting issues, the communication issues, right? All of the things that go along with the relationship are often still there, perhaps with the exception of cohabitation, right? Or sex, but the rest of it is still there. And further, Further, the, the, the idea of staying together for the kids is an idea that's not necessarily always the best idea, right? If you're going to stay together for the kids, but you're going to be at each other's necks and there's going to be yelling and there's going to be a lot of conflict, then it might be better for those kids to have separated parents. In some cases, that's true. And in many cases, it would be even better if the parents could overcome their conflicts and learn how to manage them with grace, with resolve, with uh, respect to each other, right? that would be an even better situation. But we're not taught that. We're not taught that. We're taught just, okay, throw it out. Forget it. <laughs> Give up, right? It's not worth the fight. Okay, so I have this unpopular opinion that it's very much worth the fight. That it's very much worth the fight for our children to see what it takes for an adult relationship to be healthy. It's hard. No one said it's easy. I'm not going to pretend it's very hard, but it's worth it. Like, it's one of those things we've got to grit our teeth and really, really, really buckle down on, right? It's, it's worth it. It's kind of like people say, you know, I don't know, working out or being healthy or eating healthy is hard. Of course it's hard. Of course it's hard, but it's worth it because the results matter to us. Being healthy, being happy, living in longevity, living with a sense of, uh, you know, our values, our goals, our dreams, our vision coming to fruition is worth it. It's worth the extreme effort that it takes to, be, to put in because as I've said, this is the most important relationship of your life. Now there's this myth that we should put our kids before everything else, right? And I, I want to dispel that myth and I'll continue to dispel it again and again and again and again and again, okay? Because if you're in a marriage or, or a partnership, 
then the biggest gift that you can give your children, the biggest gift more than reading with them and sitting with them and loving on them and peaceful parenting and attachment parenting and simplicity parenting and all the great parenting stuff you can do directly in your relationship with them. Before any of that, if you can give them a sense of stability, a sense of what it looks like to be in an adult relationship where people know how to apologize, where people are connected, where the couple cares about each other, where the couple communicates respectfully, where the couple handles their differences, where they know how to agree to disagree and they know how to compromise and they know how to figure it out and they know how to fight without that fight completely disintegrating the fabric of the family. That is a gift like no other. That is a blueprint for all of your children's future relationships. You are downloading into their brain by osmosis what it looks like to be in a respectful relationship and that will influence all of their future relationships. It will influence the model that they are building in their brain, the mental map of how people should treat each other, of what they should look for in a partner, of what they should expect their partner to treat them at even when their partner's angry and even when they're disappointed and even when money is tight and even when blah, 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 right? That's what they're going to learn to look for in a partner. And not only you're giving them a blueprint for future relationships, which it can take most of us a lifetime to learn and try to master, right? I mean, most of us are going to courses and reading books and therapy and all this stuff, just trying to master these skills. Hey, if you could invest a little bit in that, that would be the curriculum of their life. Forget all of the classes, forget all of the Montessori schools, forget everything you ever do, give them this curriculum. It's by far the hardest curriculum to teach, but it's the most meaningful gift you can give them because social and emotional skills, relationship skills, the capacity to be with other people in some sense of harmony and to resolve conflict, that is not something you can get later in school. It is, it is very hard to learn that when you're 30 years old. I, you know, I see this with my clients struggling with it all the time. So it, it's a curriculum that you give them, but it's not just that. It's also the deepest sense of stability a child can experience, right? A child uh, who can take for granted that their home is a functional place, that toxicity is aired and flushed out and routinely cleaned, right? Like just like a child who can take for granted that their home is a physically clean place or a relatively orderly place or a place that has food for them, right? That's the deeper sense of stability and safety a child can ask for. But what about the emotional stability and safety? Can they ask for that too? So it liberates a child not to worry. And many of you know this, if you grew up with parents that fought, then you know that you felt guilty about it. You felt like it was your fault or you were the little peacemaker. You were taking sides. You were trying to, to get them to come together, right? It's like the most painful thing for a child to experience. And that's okay because it's something we can do something about. So relationships have to grow for all of these reasons. And it's even triple, double, quadruple, you know, quintuple more important when there are kids around. Relationships are like plants okay if you stop watering them and you stop feeding them because kids came along they will wilt and if you really do it for long enough in extreme enough circumstances they'll eventually die and that's that's tragic that's a tragic loss for us because our children are going to grow up 
and they are going to leave our home and that's the person you're going to be next to for the rest of your life. That's the person you chose. That's the person you committed to. That's your friend for life. That's your bestie. That's your, your homie. That's your closest, uh, closest human being, your most intimate human being. And after your kids leave the home, that's the person that you grow old with when you're less attractive and when, when the kids aren't there to distract you. So if you don't invest in some of the building blocks that make that relationship sticky, make it have the glue, make it have the gumption, make it have the, the courage and the bravery and the importance and the, the passion to last into those years, right? Then what are we left with? Just don't be short-sighted about this. Don't think, well, I've got toddlers, I've got babies, you know, I can't think about my relationship. Eh, that passes, that's a decade. 15 years away tops, right? You've got 15 years tops, even if you have a little baby, before your partnership becomes the glaringly important relationship and you can't pretend or hide behind your kids anymore. And not only that, if you hide behind your kids at that point, you're doing your kids a disservice because they stay because, oh, mom or dad is lonely, right? I need to, I need to save mom and dad from each other. I can speak as someone who's so, so, so lucky to have parents who have a great relationship in their old age, uh, in their older age, I should say. And it's so liberating. It's so liberating because I never have to worry that they're lonely. I never have to worry that I have to moderate their arguments. I never have to worry that I need to save them from each other. And I want that for my kids and I want that for your kids too. The feeling that they can grow up and they can flee the nest, flee the coop, whatever, fly the coop, fly the nest, what's it called? Flying the nest. They can earn their independence and go off and live their own life because they know mom and dad are taken care of, right? Your, your, your kids uh, can trust your partnership, your relationship to sustain you and they know that you're adults, you're adults who've got it sorted, you're adults who've got it figured out. They're not there to save you from each other or to fix your fights or to moderate or to make one person guilty or to be a tool of competition and, and a contestant piece, a chess piece in your silly games. They know that they're not because you're not hiding behind them. And we hide behind them. We hide behind them all the time. Oh, I'm too tired. Oh, I'm too busy with the kids. Oh, I can never leave someone else to babysit them. Oh, I can't. Rubbish. BS. It's time we stop telling ourselves these lies because it takes nothing to smile at a partner in the morning. It takes no extra money, no extra, you don't need a babysitter to be warm to the person next to you, to send a flirty text message, to be kind, to be connected, to, to work a little bit on opening up and on saying, hey, by the way, I know that we're knee deep in kids stuff right now, but you and me, we're here together, right? I care about you, I'm here on this team. Don't lie to yourself that, oh, I just don't have the energy. No, that the, the contrary is true because it's the gift that keeps on giving. Because when you put a little bit of energy into that, you get tenfold energy back, right? You smile at someone, they smile back at you, and now you have more energy for the day, right? So we absolutely have to, have to, have to, have to water this plant. We've got to water it for ourselves. You deserve it. Okay, you didn't spend all this energy finding someone to spend the, the rest of your life with only to suffer the rest of your life with them. They deserve it because you got together with this person to make them happy, right? Till death do us part or whatever it is in sickness and in health. This is what it means. That's the unsexy part. I mean, I think it's deeply sexy to be deeply committed and, and, and to be 
growing and evolving and 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 reinventing and reimagining our relationship i think that's deeply sexy but it's not hollywood sexy right <laughs> and you owe it to your kids okay not to put like oh you know finger wagging shame on you no just you owe it to your kids it's just basic like we want to keep our house clean we want to give them nourishing food we need to give them a nourishing relationship to to see it's 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 not basic but it should be okay so I want to wake us up. We've got to wake up. It is wilting. The plant is wilting. It's time to water it. It is not too late. It is absolutely crucial and you do have the time and energy. It doesn't take that much. Okay? You can invest in it a lot or you can invest in it a little, but don't invest in it none, right? Don't do nothing because I promise you it will die. Relationships need nourishing. They need tending. Okay? So remember all of this, okay? Remember all of this, and I hope that this is a wake-up. And I hope that this is empowering to you. And not uh, and not, a, not a call of, you know, finger-wagging, shaming ourselves, feeling not good enough. Oh, no, I'm failing again. No, 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 none of that. This is a call that we have high expectations of ourselves. We want great, happy, connected supportive, helpful, useful relationships in our lives. We've got to go out and get it. We go out and create it. You, you bring that energy. It will come to you. Okay. It will, you bring the energy. Now, all of us, every single one of us here is sitting, waiting for our partner to do the hard work. Every single one of us here is waiting for our partner to say the thing or do the thing or book the counseling or come home with the flowers or light the candles or you know, express their gratitude and love. And let me give you an incredible secret that I learned a long time ago that has been incredibly helpful, if not very difficult, but very helpful for me in my relationships. When you are waiting for someone to give you something, when you wish someone gave you some kind of attention or, or said something to you or looked at you in a certain way or touched you in a certain way, when, you're, when your secret fantasy in the deepest, darkest chambers of your heart are something like that, it's safe to assume that your partner is harboring a similar wish, a similar longing, okay? It might not manifest in the exact same technicalities, right? Maybe not the exact same words. But for example, if you're, if you're wishing for attention in a certain way, then it's safe to assume that your partner is wishing for attention as well. If you're feeling judged and criticized in a certain way, it is safe to assume that your partner is feeling judged and criticized as well. And so how do we stop this vicious cycle? Uh, we stop it. We actually just stop it. We actually just start to give our partner what it is that we wanted, right? Like we wanted attention. Okay, how about you start by giving your partner some attention? And I know, I know, I know your alarm bells are going off. You're like, huh? I have nothing left to give. How can I possibly give any more attention? I'm exhausted. I'm depleted. I'm done, right? And yet, nevertheless, nevertheless, give it, nevertheless, shift it, nevertheless, wheel, turn the wheel, stop the wheel, stop the, uh, the, the snowball, because the snowball is rolling down that hill and it's getting bigger and it's getting more momentum and it's getting more power. And eventually it will, you will not be able to stop it. You will roll into into the absolute, um, you know, abyss where it's too hard then to push it back up the hill, right? That's why relationships end because it goes all the way 
into the extreme levels that it's too heavy at that point and, 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 and it's better to give up, right? However, if we catch it before it becomes so big and so difficult, right? Then maybe we can just push it up the hill. Maybe we can just gain a little bit of momentum in the other direction. And perhaps even a partner might help us do that too. Maybe if we're lucky. So, so you catch it, stop it, stop. The power of inertia is so powerful, right? We just keep doing what we've done, keep nagging the way we've nagged, keep criticizing the way we've criticized, keep avoiding the way we, we avoid, right? Keep deflecting and projecting and rejecting the way we've always done. And so we get the same results as we've always got. And that, that's a tragedy, my friends. It's a, tra it's a slow tragedy. It's a slow, invisible, insidious, incredibly popular tragedy that almost all the couples I know are living out. Don't, don't play a part in that tragedy. Don't play a part in that chapter. Notice which role you're playing and throw your costume off and walk off that stage and, and rewrite that script and decide you're playing part in a completely different play. Okay. You're not, you're not, you're not continuing with this game. You're not continuing with the tit for tat, with the argument and with the nitpicking, with, with the cold shoulders. You're coming with the smile, with the warmth, with the kindness, with the praise, with the compliment, with the hand on the shoulder, with the softening, with the connection. Okay, that's, that's, that's where you're going to come. Okay, yeah, Christy says the first step is the smallest step and usually the hardest. Take a small step today. Take a small step right now. Text your partner something beautiful. Or just a little heart emoji, right? Remind yourselves that you're a couple. Remind yourselves that you care about each other. Remind yourselves that ultimately the whole idea of this whole team to begin with was to be a family and to be a place of safety and kindness and warmth and unconditional love and passion and acceptance and tolerance and joy and all of the values that you want to live out in your life, okay? Okay. So now I'm going to tell you guys, uh, I've got some questions about WTF and I'm going to tell you guys about GTG and what those things are. But uh, before I do, I just hope that this has already been, uh, you know, helpful and valuable to you. Um, and if, if you know anyone who you think could really enjoy hearing this, then go ahead and tag them and share it with them as well. First of all, I just want to say a huge welcome to anyone who joined my Worth the Fight course last week. We launched a brand new mini course called WTF, which is a little cheeky, but it's worth the fight. Um, so if you have yourself asking, WTF is going on in my relationship, why do we keep arguing and fighting, then worth the fight is going to be a fantastic little mini course for you. And you can find it over at theparentingjunkie.com forward slash worth the fight. And I bring this up because we're launching another mini course today because we're on a bit of a roll over here and because I feel incredibly impassioned to really deliver this work uh, in a big way. And what we did with uh, WTF was anyone who got in during the week was invited to a private uh, Q&A session with me and it was very, very meaningful. It was very, very meaningful. It was very, very powerful to get together and to talk about these subjects. So WTF is specifically about fighting. And if you feel like fighting and, uh, and, and arguing and conflicts is something and bickering is something that keeps recurring, then you're going to want to grab that mini course. You can actually watch it in less than two hours. It's really very easy to get through. Um, but today I'm launching a brand new mini course, which is called Got to Grow. 
And that's what I've been talking about here today is that our relationships have got to grow. And my belief is that most of us have a kind of sense of falling in love to begin with, right? There's kind of this spontaneous, like, even if we met through a dating app or through, you know, some, some on-purpose dating, it's still a sense of we're taken over by, by certain hormones and chemicals and it's exciting and it's spontaneous and we fall in love and it's giddy and gushy and exciting. And, and then most couples, and this is Harville Hendricks's work, for those of you who are familiar, go into the power struggle phase. Go into the power struggle phase where there's a lot of power struggles, a lot of conflict. Uh, suddenly we feel very out of love. We can feel even a bit disgusted um, or just a continuous sense of disappointment in each other, rejection, frustration, etc. right? And in that stage, it's, it's a lot of suffering. In that stage, we suffer <laughs> ultimately because, like I said, that's the place where we feel disconnected and like our main source of energy, our relationship is actually depleting our energy. It's actually bringing us down. And the, the tragedy is that most couples stay in the power struggle stage. Most couples stay in the power struggle stage where they don't actually manage to get out of it. Now, in this new course that I put together, Got to Grow, my premise is that we fell in love first time spontaneously, right? Or kind of fell, right? By accident or whatever it was, unplanned. The second stage or how we move out of the power struggle stage is that we actually fall in love on purpose. Look, you're, you're invested in this person, right? You have children, you have a, a life, a home, some kind of connection, or you know, maybe your finances are intertwined. You're intertwined. And the idea is to get much more intertwined on a deeper level, on an intimate level, uh, on a soul-to-soul -soul level, and to actually fall in love from a place not of like, oh, so exciting and chemical highs and it feels like we're on drugs, but from a deep, mature, grown-up place of choosing our mindsets, choosing our words, choosing our actions, choosing the way we think about our partner and our partnership in a way that most serves our very pre-stated and vested purpose of staying in love. Now, again, countercultural, a little bit unpopular, because a lot of people today feel like, well, <laughs> if the feeling is gone, the feeling is gone. I disagree. I, th I respectfully disagree. I think there is so much that we can do to choose our feeling state. Let me tell you something so silly, okay? But researchers have found that if you put a pencil between your teeth, your chemical reaction is to feel happier. Okay, why? Because you're forcing a smile. Guys, on some levels, we're kind of like robots. <laughs> we respond to stimuli so easily on a subconscious level, and it actually makes us feel different things. So if you are constantly thinking of the critique about your partner or about how it sucks or fantasizing about a high school sweetheart or thinking about, you know, what a mistake you made or whatever, that will reinforce on a subconscious level the feeling of being out of love, right? If on the con if the opposite is true, if you start to think about things that actually promote feeling connected, right? Feeling in love with this, but if you're always noticing like how great they are at this or how beautiful they are when they do that or how lovely it is that they're like this, then you're going to start to feel more in love. In fact, there's been research done about couples who are just simply told to make eye contact and ask each other a series of questions and actually increases their chances of falling in love with a complete stranger based on these behaviors. 
So we need to take advantage of our mechanical uh, processes, okay, that go on subconsciously and actually support ourselves falling in love with our partner on a day-to-day -day basis or when we fall out of love, falling back in love because it matters, right? It matters greatly because of everything we've said here today, okay? Now, what we're doing is we're doing the same thing as we did last time because it was such a success. I'm doing a Q&A on Friday for those who get into the... Uh, GTG, the Got to Grow course, and it's going to be exclusive only to those uh, members. So if you're listening to this and you can get in before Friday, um, then you will be able to get access to that. Now, even if you can't get in before Friday or you can't come to the live on Friday or this, you're listening to this way past Friday, you will still get access to the recording of that Q&A session. Same goes for the Worth the Fight course. Um, and so I will be very, very, very happy to see uh, any and all of you in there. So I'm going to take a couple of questions. Uh, give them to me in the, in the questions box uh, or in the chat box, depending on the platform you're on. Okay, here we go. Do you have specific suggestions? I agree with it all. However, I tend to fight, which I think is mostly, sorry, me who loses it and I can't emotionally regulate. The, the question is actually cut off. So that's all I can see from Chaya. But thank you for asking Chaya. Yes, I have specific suggestions. So in Worth the Fight, you're going to get very specific suggestions on how to fight well, right? How to fight in a productive way. And in Got to Grow, you're going to get specific suggestions on mindset shifts that are holding you back, okay? Where you can instead start to introduce new mindset shifts that are going to help you to feel in love on purpose, right? It's kind of like that, you know, that reframe, that rewriting of the love story so that you're not, you're not constantly thinking about the ways it falls short, but instead you're noticing uh, deeper elements of how, it, how it's actually uh, potentially um, can be interpreted as a great thing. Okay, uh, Caitlin, what is the difference between the power couple workshop and the course? Okay, so the I have a much bigger, longer, more expensive course as well for couples that is called Parent in Love. And the power couple workshop is, is uh, leads into Parent in Love. It's like a taster for Parent in Love. Now, these are also a bit like a taster for Parent in Love, but Parent in Love is a six-month course um, and it's uh, a big commitment. And so I want to offer these mini courses because if you take a mini course, you watch it in two hours and you feel some kind of boost, right? It's helped you in some kind of way. Then you know that uh, Parent in Love is going to be a great choice for you, but because that's a six-month course, uh, we'll be we'll be opening doors to Parent in Love on Friday. So if you join Got to Grow and you come to my Q and A, I will tell you all about Parent in Love. Um, but uh, that's the difference. So this is much more miniature version. Okay, you just go to the parentingjunkie.com forward slash Got to Grow, and you will see the details to this course if you would like to try it. Um, Okay, I love your teaching, but is it WTF if you're the only one that continues to try to fix, communicate, and get uh, nothing? Okay, Bianca, that's a great question. In other words, is it worth the fight if my partner doesn't, um, doesn't grow, doesn't change, doesn't, uh, doesn't put any effort in, right? Doesn't communicate, etc.? Bianca, that's a deeply personal question, okay? Very deeply personal. I'm never going to tell someone if it is or isn't worth the fight in their unique and individual case, okay? I think that it is 
entirely possible that there are some extreme cases where it is not worth the fight. With that said, I think those are extreme cases. I think they're more rare than we sometimes tend to think. And I think that it is always worth doing the internal work of growing and working on our communication, etc., regardless of how the other side behaves, because it is something that we do for ourselves and for our children, and also with the hope that our partner meets us there, right? That our partner joins in. But as I've said, when you have children with someone, it's always worth the fight because even if you do end up separating in terms of the actual romantic aspect of your relationship, you're still connected, right? You still have to raise children together. And so for me, it's, you know, I think it's just important to recognize that so much of this work that we're doing is for us, right? It's because, hey, look, no matter how my partner reacts or doesn't react, I know that I want to be the best partner I can be. I want to be the best mom I can be, no matter how my children behave. I want to be the best sister and daughter and friend and um, parenting junkie that I can be. That's my self-growth and self-development. So in many aspects, we're doing this for ourselves, right? But, you know, I think it's it, there are the rare cases where there's abuse, right? Or where there's just this extreme disconnect that can, can't ever be uh, overcome, where it's not worth the fight, absolutely, right? And and what we need to do is get out of there as quickly as possible. But I think, you know, you, you wouldn't find very easily even a, a, a licensed clinical psychologist or whatever who would tell you whether or not your relationship is worth the fight because that's a deeply personal choice. Now, with all of that said, and without knowing anything about your situation, Bianca, what I do want to say is I think that there is a very very misunderstood aspect of relationships. And it's this, even people who we deem, because we have a fixed mindset, we deem them to be unchangeable or so slow to change or like, oh, my partner is never going to work on fixing this or on growing or whatever. I think that is often an under self-diagnosed case of fixed mindset where we're viewing people as fixed. And I think people change unbelievably, unimaginably, um, indescribably, unrecognizably throughout their lives. They are capable. I, I am of the camp that believes that most people, most people are capable of severe change, right? In the best possible way, right? Extreme change. But I also think that we misunderstand what the, uh, um, what the, fertile ground is, right? What the environment is that helps a person to rise and to change and to grow and evolve, right? Most of us are stuck in a very backwards mindset. We do this with our kids as well. We do it with ourselves. That if you wag a finger at someone, if you shame them, if you nag them, if you set ultimatums, if you tell them, if you criticize them, right? Oh, you're always doing this. You're never doing that. When are you going to change? If you don't change like this and I'm leaving, right? We think that that's somehow us working. We, we think that that's us trying to fix the relationship. We think that that's, that's us doing our best, right? And it is us doing our best, of course, but it's a pale conversion. It's, 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 a, it's a pale version. It's a, it's a kind of a skeleton of what's possible in terms of creating an environment that in which change is possible. 
When people feel unconditionally loved, when they feel accepted, when they feel supported, when they feel in a safe friendship, uh, when they feel like the other person truly wants to see their light, truly wants them to shine, truly wants them to rise, truly cares for them and isn't just there uh, to bring them down, um, then there's a chance, there's a chance of them beginning to make a big change. Okay, so when people say to me, oh, I'm doing all this work and my partner isn't changing, I'm skeptical. I'm a little bit suspicious, right? And I, I want them to be suspicious of what is all this work, right? What is the work that we're doing? Trying to fix, trying to cajole, manipulate, brain, uh, brainwash, right? Uh, set ultimatums, nag, force. Or are we doing very deep internal work to overcome our triggers, to speak respectfully, to be kind, to boost and deposit big fat chunky deposits into our emotional bank account so that we're rich with you know love and joy and connection and all the good things that bond us that then make it possible for us to help each other grow or are we doing all that other stuff that doesn't truly lead people to feel that they can or are motivated to change it just leaves people to be defensive it just leads people to be, you know, like this, this person just doesn't really like me very much. Actually, this person wishes they weren't with me. This person just criticizes me. This just person just sees me as small and as un, as, and, and as incapable and as impotent and as, you know, just not, not a great catch, you know? And so they're trying to change me. Well, no, no, I'm not going to change in that environment. I deserve to be with someone who loves me as I am and who wants me to change because I want to change, because they care about my self-growth, because they know that life is precious and short and they want to be my cheerleader and my coach and on my team and they know they're not so arrogant and entitled as to think that they're so much better than me because people in glass houses should not throw stones and we all live in glass houses because we all have got mountains of self-growth to do before we can turn to anyone else and demand that they change. And so that's how they feel, right? They feel, yeah, screw this, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I deserve some love. And if I can't get love here, then I'm looking the other way and I'm turning the shoulder and I'm just saying, eh, leave me alone. I'm okay as I am, right? And that makes sense. That makes total psychological sense, right? Because our partners are not here to change us and to, you know, bully us into being better or to, to mold us like a lump of clay, right? They're here to hold our hands and together we climb the mountain, right? They're here to be our buddy, our life buddy. You know, if anyone has ever done scuba diving, you've got to, you've got to dive with a buddy in case your mask comes off, in case your, your bubble bursts and you have someone else who can give you some, some oxygen, right? They're there for you. They're there to travel with you. They're there to point out, oh my God, look at that deer on the side of the road. Isn't it beautiful? They're there to be your partner. That's what partnership is, hey? We've lost sight of it in our culture. We don't get it. We don't get it. We think it's a competition. We think it's a contest. We think our partner is our project. You know, fix her up. <laughs> no, 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 wrong. Wrong. Never gonna work. Our partner is here to say, Babe, you're an incredible person and I love you just the way you are. And I see your light and I see who you are right now is amazing and your potential is amazing. And I'm here to help you. 
in the in the development and ev evolution of your life, however it is that you want and feel the need to grow. And I, I'll certainly, if I'm skilled enough, if I'm skilled enough, and if I'm humble enough, and if we're connected enough, then there's a chance that I could also show you things that I've, I've kind of noticed, that I, I wonder if you might want to discuss sometime, or you might need help with sometime, right? Not not for me to fix, but for us as a couple to care about because we care about our lives together and we care about the health of our family and, and the longevity of our relationship. Okay, Cassie asks, which course is better for just starting out? So the truth is they're very equal in terms of how easy they are to digest. They're both very short. They're both very easy to digest and to get started with. Um, but here's, here's the deal. If you feel like you've just fallen out of love, then I want you to go with got to grow first, okay? And if you feel like actually the more pressing issue is that there's recurring conflicts that we keep fighting, then I want you to go with worth the fight first, okay? And and honestly, if, if you can afford to and you have the time to, then bundle them together because you get a, get a great deal and they go very, they go together like peanut butter and jelly, especially if you like peanut butter and jelly. Ashley asks, what if the other person drinks alcohol and is very hard to be with or talk with after dinner? So Ashley, and I'm going to say this as an overarching answer to any kind of outlying issues, and, and we all have them, but some are, some are more drastic than others. If someone suffers from alcohol, alcoholism, right, or, um, or any kind of mental health issue or disorder or um, a personality disorder or any kind of extraneous life circumstances, then you can certainly take my courses, but you will need professional clinical help as well. It is not enough, right? It is a great supplement. It is very complimentary. It will give you great tools, but this isn't therapy. And people who have uh, any issue that is indicative for clinical therapy, be it psychotherapy, be it psychology, be it psychiatric care, be it medical care, be it rehab, then they have to seek that route as well, right? Uh, and perhaps first and foremost, really, right? This can be something great for you to take, give you some tools, but it's not specifically about that. And it is not going to solve that issue. And that issue does have to get solved and addressed. So with so much love and so much heart and support to you, Ashley, because I know that's an incredibly difficult situation to be in. I want to just really light a fire under you to get that taken care of professionally with support. It should be the highest priority of the home if that's something that you are really struggling with. And it's something that I have no area of expertise in. And so I can't help you with that. What I can help you with is the mindset that you as a partner can adopt and can help your partner through that challenge. Uh, Suzanne says, I can't see an option to pay with PayPal. There is an option to pay with PayPal. I'm, if it, if it, you know, refresh the page and look for it because I know that it's that it's there. And if you're having trouble joining in any kind of way, then just email support at theparentingjunkie.com and we will help you. Uh, you can tune back in with me on Friday. We'll talk about parent in love. Meanwhile, namaste. Much, much love to you all. Thank you so much for being here with me today. And if you feel again that this could be helpful for anybody else that might be challenged in these areas, then please do feel free to tag them, share it with them, just send them a text message with this link in it. Um, because this is a message that I'd like to spread far and wide. Much, much love. Be well. Take care. <laughs> during these crazy times and take care of your relationship it needs it and it deserves it and you deserve it all right everyone much love
Thanks for listening to The Parenting Junkie Show. If this was helpful for you, I would be so appreciative if you would subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Subscribing to the show means you'll get the bonus episodes that I only deliver here. And when you rate and review the show, it helps other parents find it. I'll be shouting out some of my favorite reviews in upcoming episodes and would love to spotlight you. And remember, keep on loving parenting and parenting from love. Namaste.